Okay, so today as part of our summer series on the Kingdom of God, um, we're going to look at healing. Healing is one of the signs of the Kingdom of God that was prophesied in Isaiah about Jesus. And healing as one of the signs of the Kingdom of God in the lives of us, his followers. So I'm going to particularly focus on the accounts of healings in the Gospels, the four um, books at the beginning of the New Testament, and what we can learn from these accounts when we come to ask for healing. I have to say that rereading some of these passages in the Gospels has challenged me personally, and my prayer is that um, as we look at these and apply them to our own lives, that we'll all be challenged, but mostly that we will be excited about what God does, what he has done, and what he is going to do. And that we would be um, filled with even more faith to pray for healings and bolder in praying for others, whether they have faith or not. So wherever we are in our walk with God, whatever our previous experience of healing is, I believe that God wants to challenge us in this area and bring even greater breakthrough. Okay, so I'm going to start with um, reading some scripture. Um, Jesus begins at the beginning of his ministry by reading Isaiah 61, which is a prophecy of the, the Messiah coming and bringing the kingdom of God. So if you want to follow in your Bibles, it's Luke 4:16, And it says, He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. These words from Isaiah, read out by Jesus, are electric. Jesus is announcing that the scripture has been fulfilled through him. Jesus is the promised one that God said would come to fix the world physically and spiritually. He is the one that Isaiah prophesied in chapter 35 would bring about healing. It says, The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Now the people of Galilee, Jesus' hometown, they refuse to believe that he is the one um, that could be the Messiah because they've grown up with him and they know him and they chase him out of town. But as soon as Jesus leaves, this is exactly what he does. He begins not only teaching the good news of the kingdom of God, but also healing and delivering people wherever he goes. It says in Matthew 4, 23, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Healing goes hand in hand with proclaiming the gospel of of, um, the kingdom of God. Jesus does both together. Healing is part of the kingdom of God. Because in heaven there is no sickness, illness or death. And Jesus brings heaven down. Healing where healing humanly was not possible. So we see people on the verge of death being made instantly well. Those who are already dead on several occasions brought back to life. Sight restored to those who had no sight, and even more amazingly, sight given to a man who was born blind. And it says, Jesus healed all who came to him, and all sorts of illnesses. There was nothing he did not heal. Those possessed by demons, a lady with a high fever, lepers, a paralytic, a man with a withered hand, 
a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and no one could heal, um, a woman bent over who could not straighten herself, those who are deaf, those who are mute. These are just some of the, um, the stories recorded in the Gospels. Um, but these accounts are clearly not all the healings that Jesus did because Matthew references many other diseases and plagues. Jesus has authority over all sickness. Healing is part of the kingdom of God, and whenever someone asked Jesus to heal, he did. Because Jesus is God, and one of God's names is Jehovah Rapha, God who heals. Healing is part of God's very nature. And it's also part of his compassion for humanity. Um, God's compassion is evident in the accounts of Jesus' healing in the Gospels. We're told that when Jesus goes to Mary and Martha and learns that Lazarus has died, that Jesus wept, and this is in John 11. Jesus cares about people, their sorrows and trials. Even knowing that he has the power and the authority over sickness and death to raise Lazarus from the dead, as he does, Jesus first demonstrates his compassion. And we see the same compassion again um, with the account of the healing of, of the leper, a man with a contagious condition, who on account of this condition is an outcast. He's socially isolated, completely dependent on charity. In Mark 1, verse 40, and the same story is recorded in Luke 5, the leper comes before Jesus, kneeling before him, and he says, if you can, sorry, if you will, you can make me clean. And Mark records that Jesus is moved with pity, and he stretched out his hand and touched him. Jesus is filled with compassion for the leper who has been cast out by society. And what I love most about this passage is the way that Jesus heals him. Although in other healings, Jesus does touch the person, um, such as the, um, but there are many accounts where he doesn't, doesn't need to touch the person, doesn't seem to be necessary. For example, um, when he heals the paralytic man, Jesus simply speaks and he is made well. And even... Um, healing of ten lepers Jesus does from a distance. He simply tells them to go and present themselves to the priests. But this particular leper, Jesus reaches his hand out to touch him. Notice the words the leper uses. He asks, make me clean. This man is someone who no one wants to touch, partly because he is contagious, but also because as a Jew, anyone touching him would be made ceremonially unclean. And yet Jesus chooses to stretch out his hand and touch him. And as Jesus touches him, rather than the leprosy making Jesus unclean, Jesus makes the leper clean. And what is more, Jesus meets this man's emotional need for touch and acceptance and dignity. Jesus sees the, the man's deepest need and meets him there. So Jesus is always sensitive to the needs of the individual. With a man who is deaf and has a speech impediment, Jesus takes him off to a private place, away from the crowds, to pray for him. Maybe to protect that man from being a spectacle or to help him to focus on Jesus. He then puts his fingers in his ears and after spitting, touches his tongue, literally putting his fingers on the places that need healing. In fact, every healing recorded seems to be unique in one way or another. Jesus treats each person as an individual because he's interested in the whole person. He cares about our bodies, but he also cares about our souls and our minds and our hearts. And so in Mark 2, where a paralytic man is lowered down through the roof in front of Jesus, um, Jesus says he sees their faith, and that is the faith of the, the man's friends. But he says to the paralytic, 
son, your sins are forgiven. Now, we don't know this man's backstory, but Jesus did. And he knew that this man needed reassurance of his salvation first and foremost, above his need for physical healing. Jesus addresses his heart and then heals his body, saying, take up your mat and walk. But this is shocking to the scribes who are there to witness this, because as they point out, only God has the power to, or the authority to forgive sins. And Jesus demonstrates here that he has the authority to do both. He is healer and saviour. He is God. He has come to bring wholeness, body, mind and soul. And so this brings me to what we can learn about how we should ask for healing. And the first point is that our focus has to be completely on Jesus. Not on our words or our lack of words or our ability to communicate or our lack of ability to communicate. Jesus pays no attention to status, background, ability to communicate. He heals people that others saw as a nuisance or unqualified, as well as those who are highly respected and important. So there is Bartimaeus, a, a blind beggar, and he's shouting from the roadside for Jesus to heal him so loudly that others told him to be silent. There is nothing eloquent, I imagine, about the way he um, asks for healing. Just a raw and desperate need for God to come and meet him. But Jairus, on the other hand, he kneels reverently before Jesus, while we have the friends of the paralysed man breaking through the roof of the house just to get their friend Jesus. And then there is the woman who has been bleeding for many years, for 12 years, and no one has been able to heal her. And maybe she's too embarrassed to draw attention to herself, or maybe she's un- um, just very conscious of her unclean state. She doesn't even speak. She just stretches her hand out to touch Jesus' cloak, and she is healed. And there is, of course, the story of the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus begging for him to heal her daughter. And the disciples try to send her away. She isn't a Jew. She isn't one of God's people. According to them, she doesn't qualify. And yet the woman is so desperate for Jesus to heal her, her daughter, that she persists in asking Jesus, claiming that even dogs eat crumbs from the master's table. This healing of her daughter is a small thing compared to what Jesus is capable of. And Jesus is struck by how great her faith is. And her daughter is instantly healed. The important thing isn't who we are or how we ask for healing. It's who we look to. All of these people were healed because they simply looked to Jesus and called or reached out to him in their way. And this brings me to my second point about how we ask for healing. And this is the thing that stands out the most to me when I look at the accounts of healings in the Bible. And it's quite challenging. What Jesus notices in those people who he heals and what he commends them for. When Bartimaeus shouts from the roadside for Jesus to heal him, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And these words are echoed time and time again as Jesus heals. In each account, it's the faith of the person asking that Jesus commends. Your faith has made you well. To the two blind men who are following him and crying, Jesus asks, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And when they answer, yes, Lord, he touches their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. The woman touching Jesus' cloak had faith that just touching a piece of his clothing would make her well. She believed in the power that surrounded his very being. And Jesus says, take, take heart, my daughter, your faith has made you well. And there is the account of the um, centurion, again another non-Jew, 
who understands that Jesus' power is not limited to his geographical location. Jesus doesn't have to visit his hometown for his servant to be healed. Jesus just needs to say the word. So these words of Jesus, your faith has made you well, are challenging. If we are to see healing, faith is key. It's a key ingredient, whether it's the faith of the person who is sick or the faith of the one who is asking. When we ask for healing, we need to look to Jesus and believe, as he asks the blind men, do you believe that Jesus is able to do it? Um, I want to focus for a few minutes on the account of the man who has a son with an unclean spirit that has made him both deaf and mute and at times caused him to throw himself into the fire. And this is recorded in Matthew 17, Mark 9 and Luke 9. And this story has important things to teach us about the times when we find that our faith is lacking. So the father of the son says to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He's asking Jesus to heal his son, but the word if is quite telling. This man wants Jesus to heal his son, but he isn't sure he can do it. Jesus responds, if I can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Again, belief is key. And this man isn't sure he has it. The man responds with a paradox. I believe. Help me in my unbelief. There is a battle within him. He believes in Jesus' power, but is honest that his faith is shaky. I love the raw honesty of this conversation, how the man brings his struggle to Jesus. Like the man, we can believe that Jesus is healer and yet struggle to have faith that he will heal in the particular request that we're bringing. And we need to bring this to Jesus. Perhaps if we look back to the beginning of the story, we can see the reason why this man is struggling with his faith. The son, his only son, has been like this all his life. And the disciples have already prayed for him and have not succeeded. So his experience has led him to fear that his son will never be healed. He longs for it, but he's not sure that it's going to happen. And maybe there are some of us here, myself included, who've had experiences where we have believed and we've prayed and the healing didn't happen. And we have carried this pain with us. As Wayne Gruden writes in his Systematic Theology, we live in the kingdom of God is already here, but not fully here. Jesus on the cross, he broke the curse of sin and death. He purchased both physical and spiritual healing for us as it was prophesied in Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions, with his wounds we are healed. And yet, as Gruden writes, a full possession of redemption from physical illness will not be ours until Christ returns and we receive resurrection bodies. What Jesus' healings do show is a partial foretaste of the perfect health that will be ours for eternity. And there may be times, so there may, therefore may be times when healing doesn't come straight away, or maybe not at all. And in the instances where healing doesn't come, we need to remember Romans 8, where Paul writes about the sufferings of the present age and how we groan inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies. And yet we know that in everything, God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So in the situations where healing doesn't come or hasn't yet come, it's important that we know that even in our sufferings, God is with us, God is for us, and that God is good. So going back to the story of the man whose son is mute and deaf, maybe like this man, you're praying for healing, but you're struggling. 
Can I encourage you, if this is the case, that we need to be like the father in this, in this story and go to Jesus um, with any, um, any reasons for unbelief. That, like the father of the son, say to Jesus, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Because when we do, Jesus is able to heal our hearts and our hurts. Remember, Jesus cares about the whole person and he can remove any areas of unbelief like he did for this man before miraculously healing his son. The next part of the story is also really helpful, particularly how we pray for others to be healed when there are long-standing or um, big issues, such as in the case of these spirits that are causing the boy to be mute and deaf. The disciples who had previously tried to heal the man come to Jesus and they say, why were we not able to drive out the spirits? And again, Jesus' response is really challenging. He challenges the disciples' faith, and he says in Mark 9, this kind cannot be driven out by anything by prayer. And in some translations, it includes prayer and fasting. By prayer, Jesus means earnest time in prayer, because this is what Jesus himself did. He was constantly taking himself away from the crowds to spend time alone with the Father. And Matthew records that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. And he urges his disciples to pray earnestly. <coughs> Jesus has compassion and he wants us to have compassion too. Compassion to be brave and compassion to, be, um, to offer to pray for healing. And this compassion will come from a place of prayer. It is interesting, it's following the instruction to pray earnestly that Jesus sends his disciples, verse 12 and then 72, to heal the sick and to say to them, the kingdom of God has come to you. And he extends the commission to us to do the same. He says in Mark 16, 18, one of the signs that will accompany those who believe, that is us, his church, is that they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So healing is something that we should expect to see regularly in the church and in the lives of those around us. But we need to be earnest about spending time in prayer first and spending time with the Father. So when Jesus urges his disciples to pray earnestly and then go out and, and bring the kingdom of God through healing, that's a challenge to us too. Um, there's a great interview by Jackie Pullinger. It's on the Alpha website, and I'd really recommend that you listen to it. Jackie Pullinger has seen over 50 years of healings in the life of um, drug addicts in Hong Kong. And her story, or her testimony, is that she has just simply prayed for people, and those that work alongside her as well. They will pray constantly for up to 10 days for an individual until they are free of their addiction. And often she is praying in tongues. And I love how she likens the praying in tongues to um, the cries of a baby. Just as a baby knows what it wants to communicate but doesn't have the words to communicate, the baby um, can cry and the mother understands. And in the same way, when we pray in tongues, um, we can communicate to God where we don't have the words um, to express him. However, speaking in tongues isn't necessarily important, although it can be helpful. Prayer, whether in our own language or in tongues, is key to seeing breakthrough. And Jesus spent a lot of time seeking the presence of God in prayer. And if we want to see more answers to prayer for healing, we first need to pursue the presence of God. So to recap, we need to look to Jesus. We need to have faith. We need to deal with any areas of unbelief. 
and we need to pray earnestly. And I have just one last point, which I think is really helpful in bringing these other points together. We need to celebrate and give glory to God for every testimony, however small or however big. And we see this in the account of the um, healing of the ten lepers, when they caught him from the distance and Jesus tells them to go and present themselves to the priest. All are immediately healed, but only one. Um, and interestingly, the one who is not a Jew, who is a Samaritan, returns. As Jesus remarks, we're not ten cleansed. Where, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? When we receive healing or answers to our prayers for healing, we need to celebrate and give thanks to God. We need to thank God for his goodness, his compassion, his mercy, his authority over illness. And as we do this, our faith and the faith of those around us will rise. So we need to feed ourselves on the, sto- the, the accounts of Jesus' healing in the Gospels, the accounts of healings in the early church, and the testimonies in the church today. Let us look continually to Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So I want to finish just with a couple of quick testimonies from my own life. And I've been praying um, recently for a friend who isn't a Christian, and she's um, given me permission to pray for her um, on a very, very specific um, issue that she needs um, healing breakthrough in. And and what's great is that not only has she said I can pray for her, she's been asking me very specifically on occasions for, can you pray for this? I need breakthrough prayer. And God has been answering my prayers, and it's really exciting when she says to me, keep praying, your prayers are doing their job, um, your prayers are working. And I can't wait to share the full testimony with you at a later date. Um, another recent testimony has we been we were praying for um, the father of a friend of ours who had COVID and all the odds were stacked against him in terms of age and other underlying health conditions. And there were times when it looked really quite unlikely that he would pull through. His oxygen levels were so low. And yet, despite the fact that things were looking grim, we were able to pray knowing that God can and does answer prayers. And this man recovered, and completely, he has no lasting side effects. Now, his son might say his dad was lucky, but we know that it's through the power of prayer. And there are many other testimonies like this. I love being part of the the power WhatsApp group, the women in the church, regularly messaging prayer requests and regularly messaging testimonies of answers to prayer. Sometimes it can be scary us offering to pray for someone. Recently, um, God nudged me to pray for the mother of um, one of my children's classmates, and I don't know her that well. And if I'm honest, I was quite nervous about praying for her because I didn't know how she was going to react. But God kept nudging me, and I felt God's compassion for her. And so I plucked up the courage, and I asked her, can I pray for you? Um, And it turned out that she was really grateful that she came from a Catholic background and that she was really open to prayer. And what's more, me offering to pray for her really spoke to her and made her feel loved. So when God nudges us, we just have to be obedient, we have to trust him, he knows what he's doing. Um, 